This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. The political trends over the past several years have been against charter schools, even in places like New York City, where students at charters are clearly outperforming those who remain in district-run schools. The opposition to charters has grown, and teacher unions across the country are mobilizing in opposition to charter expansion. Another sign of the growing antagonism towards charters is the difficulty that they are facing in keeping up with the funding levels that district schools are receiving. Yet charter schools are doing amazingly well despite the difficulty they have faced in persuading states to give them funding equal to that provided to other public schools. In a recently released study by Corey DeAngelis, Patrick Wolf and three authors along with DeAngelis have found that the charters are better stewards of the taxpayer dollars. The report is entitled, Making It Count, the Productivity of Public Charter Schools in Seven U.S. Cities. To discuss this study, I'm delighted to have with me today on the Education Exchange, Patrick Wolf, a senior professor in the Department of Education and Reform at the University of Arkansas. Patrick, thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. Happy to be here, Paul. Well, Patrick, what's the bottom line finding from your study? I, I notice it's seven cities, so let us know which seven cities it is and what your and what your findings with respect to these seven cities are sure so we had data available to do our analysis in camden new jersey denver colorado indianapolis indiana uh, memphis tennessee uh, new orleans louisiana san antonio texas and washington dc so really you know across the country um uh, really, every every region of the country was represented uh, in this study, and what we found is that the uh, public charter schools in these cities, uh, on average, are about forty three percent more cost effective in terms of producing NAEP scores, NAEP points, uh, per thousand dollars invested in them. Uh, both in reading and in math, that you get about 43% more NAEP points by your charter students than your traditional public school students per $1,000 spent in these cities. Um, when we calculated what, what the return on that investment is, that in terms of lifetime earnings, of the individual students. So, so what does that achievement benefit uh, amount to across the lifetime of the average adult. And there we, we drew heavily on work by Rick Hanyashek at Stanford. Uh, we were able to determine that a student who spent all 13 years of their K-12 education in a public charter school in these seven cities on average would experience um, a higher return on investment uh, that would amount to 46% advantage relative to a similar student in a TPS in the city? Well, of course, uh, a lot of people will be raise their eyebrows at your results because the sort of conventional wisdom out there is that charter schools do about as well as traditional public schools in their area. Uh, they don't do a lot better. They don't do a lot worse. You know, they may have some other advantages, but 
nationwide, the studies that have, uh, you know, looked at lots of charter schools and the meta-analyses that are out there say, well, you know, it's pretty much of a wash. Now, admittedly, a lot of those studies are some time ago, maybe, maybe things have changed, but, but it's also possible that these seven cities are unusual cities. So how did you select these cities? We want to make sure you didn't go pick them in order to get the results you wanted. Sure. So we, we used every city in which uh, we could find the data necessary to do, to introduce rigor into our cost benefit productivity analysis. And those two sources of data, one is comprehensive funding data for both the charter sector and the TPS sector. We had that for 18 cities across the country. So we had a, a relatively big uh, uh, pool of cities with comprehensive school funding data. But we really wanted to make apples to apples comparisons regarding the student performance uh, and different types of students attend charters versus TPSs. So we, we, we didn't want to just make raw com performance comparisons. We wanted uh, a way to control for these differences in student characteristics that could influence performance. And we got that from the Credo uh, City Study Project uh, led by Mackie Raymond at Stanford. Uh, they had conducted rigorous matching studies of the performance of charter school students relative to very similar TPS students in seven of those 18 cities for which we had comprehensive funding data. So it was the intersection of the credo analyzed cities in their charter school research and our funding, uh, comprehensive funding analysis cities. That intersection was these seven cities. We would have taken more if we if we had uh, more uh, more complete data that would allow so us. What is it that Credo does that that makes you they as as far as I know Credo studies the performance of students on state exams not on the NAEP test but you're using the NAEP test which is a nationwide test that is uh, you know administered in all of these cities but it's different from the test that Credo uh, uses to evaluate whether or not charters are doing better so. How do you put all that together? Right. Well, you know, we, we really are committed to the rigor of the credo analysis, you know, because of their careful matching approach. So we will defend our assumption that, you know, a match sample of charter and TPS students like Credo puts together uh, when they analyze effects on state accountability tests that, you know, those same differences between the performance of those match charter and TPS students would be reflected in NAEP scores if NAEP did similar matching. Now, NAEP doesn't. It's an observational study. They, you know, they, they, they just uh, present group averages for groups with different characteristics. But, but we it use... is a different test, right? The NAEP test is a different test than the proficiency tests that the states are administering. But you're assuming that really those differences between those state proficiency tests and the NAEP test are not 
that big a difference that it's just they're essentially the same test yeah we assume that that if a charter sector is outperforming it's uh, a matched sample of tps students in its city by 10% of a standard deviation in reading on the accountability test, that those same groups, if they were organized to take the NAEP test, would, would display those similar differences. So we yeah, are well, I think actually your, your assumption, there's not too much different than the one that uh, Sean Reardon makes. He's now produced a nationwide uh, data set that uh, compares all school districts in the United States with one another and I think to make that comparison, he's got to assume that those state proficiency tests capture the same thing as the National Assessment of Educational Progress. So I think you and Scott Reardon are actually on the same wavelength here. Yeah, and, Sean and, and, Reardon, and I'm sorry, Sean. Sean yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and I think the way to conceptualize it, Paul, is that is that the statewide NAEP average is our north star. And the credo charter school findings are our sextant. And we're basically using the credo instrument to navigate, you know, much, much as a ship's captain would, um, to, to, to draw upon the star. Our, the North Star is statewide NAEP averages. And the, the credo findings are our sextant to situate where uh, um, charter school students in a city are performing relative to the TPS students. Well, the other issue that comes up in your study is there a measure of how much school districts are spending. Um, I know you've done a, another study uh, that looks at 19 cities and how much expenditures. So you've really dug into this. Uh, but a lot of people say that charter schools are getting a lot of money from foundations and other private sources that the public schools don't have access to. So when you're comparing expenditures, are you really comparing apples to apples there? Yeah, Paul, that's an excellent point. I mean, we, we track all the funding that both TPSs and public charter schools receive from all sources, public sources, and non-public sources. So we're capturing philanthropy that's going into charter sectors. Some of these cities have charter sectors that get substantial philanthropy, uh, like, like Memphis is an example of that. Some of them have charter sectors that don't get a substantial amount of philanthropy. Uh, Camden uh, and San Antonio are examples of that. Uh, but the, the truth is that traditional public schools get philanthropy too. Uh, most school districts have their own foundation that raises uh, charitable funds for the students in the in the district run public schools. So both charters and TPSs draw upon uh, public and non public sources of funding and we capture all of that we track all of that um, and make our comparisons based on comprehensive and complete funding from all sources. Well, that's an interesting finding in itself. Uh, what, what share of the uh, revenue do comes from private sources, both for, for your traditional public schools and for your charter schools? It, it's, it varies by year and by location, but it's about 10 to 12%. So it's about an eighth, a 10th to an eighth of the funding uh, that that urban 
public schools receive is non-public. Um, and well, so, is, you know, is, is this in your 19 cities? Yes, this is across. In the, your 19 cities, you found that about a tenth of all of the money spent by both public, is it about the same in both sectors or? It is, it's very close. And, and it depends on the year. Some years when we've, when we've done these revenue comparisons, the TPSs have averaged slightly more non-public funding. Other years, um, the charters have, but it's it's not a lot of funding, and there aren't big differences between the two public school sectors on their reliance on non-public funds. Well, that's an interesting finding in and of itself. Uh, so, are you telling me that the districts are getting as much money from the private sector as the charter? What what are the actual numbers? Yes, in, uh, in our uh, revenue study where we examine, where we uh, identify all of the resources going into the TPS and charter sectors in our in 18 cities, uh, we find uh, in fiscal year 2018 that students in urban traditional public school districts we're receiving about $3,000 per student in non-public funds going to those, uh, those district schools compared to just 1,700 for students in public charter schools. So both districts and charters in urban areas are getting non-public funding. It's actually larger in 2018 in the district schools uh, on a per pupil basis, actually by quite a bit. Uh, and uh, that, but so what percentage is that about? That's thirteen percent of total revenue in 2018 for these for the for the public schools in these 18 cities. Thirteen percent came from non-public sources. So that that's actually quite an amazing fact in and of itself. So so that's one thing you get apples to apples comparison. But I know there's a lot of controversy about how districts report their finances, whether they're accurate or not. How do you make sure that you really know how much they're spending in each district? Sure, so Paul, we target the data sources that are uh, most comprehensive, most accurate and closest to the actual um, school system. Typically it's the numbers that, that districts and charter school and charter schools are reporting to their state department of education. So that's where the, the schools usually are required by law to report all of their revenues. Then some of those of the components of those revenues get excluded when the totals are forwarded to the federal government. So we try, we try and catch them. We catch these, these totals as they're going from the districts or the individual charter schools to the states, because that's when they're most complete. If there are any notes in the documentation that suggests that any funds have been excluded, then we go to actual audited uh, reports for the charters, their, their, their uh, financial audits where they have to account for everything. Um, and we get, we get charitable contributions from, from the 990 forms that have to be filed that, that list all of the charitable 
contributions that that organizations are receiving. So we, we, we use a combination of complete and reliable data sources to capture all of the funding that's going into these public school systems. Well, so why do you think the charters are so much more productive than the district schools? What's, what's the reason why you're getting 43% more productivity, which seems like an astounding number. I mean, if, if any companies make is 50% more productive than another, it's gonna drive the other out of business. So how, how do we, uh, what do we attribute to the great, this greater product, what, what's, what's the cause of it? Yeah, so it's the chartering model, Paul. And I think the chartering model is really designed to give uh, decision makers, education leaders and education implementers the tools to produce solid outcomes um, with limited resources. So that's really what productivity is. It's, it's doing more with the same amount of resources or uh, doing at least as well with fewer resources. And what we see with the charter schools is we kind of see a little bit of both. Uh, most of the charter school sectors in our study uh, produce higher levels of student learning than similar TPS students um, uh, at equal to lower funding levels. Um, so, so but the district schools have a lot of legacy costs. They've got a lot of retired teachers who are getting pensions. They've got a lot of uh, retired teachers who are on healthcare benefits. Uh, they've got a lot of ancient buildings that they have to keep up. Uh, Aren't there a lot of thing, a lot of hidden costs that the pub, that the district sector has that really doesn't really bear on the education of this current generation of children, but nonetheless are in the cost portfolio? Sure, and that's the traditional public school model. That's the district model: is to is to have underfunded pensions, is to have very elaborate facilities that sometimes aren't maintained very much. Those are potential sources for the productivity disadvantage of of traditional public schools. But if you exclude them, you are explaining away the difference. You are you are you are basically finding the ways that traditional public schools are less productive and then saying, once we exclude them, they aren't less productive than, than, than charter schools. And charter schools just, they tend to follow a different model. You know, they, they tend not to have elaborate facilities, um, but they maintain them uh, well and, and, and do appropriate upkeep. But don't they have bigger teacher turnover and younger teachers and less experienced teachers who are paid less? Isn't there a huge difference in the salary schedule of the two sectors as it operates on the ground? Yes, but you know, there is a recent study out of the Fordham Institute that finds that a lot of public charter school networks in urban areas areas are highly effective at, at bringing their young teachers up to um, a high level of performance. So, so the, the learning curve, they accelerate the learning curve of experiential learning for their young teachers, uh, much more so than traditional uh, district schools. So, so, so that's, that's probably part of the secret sauce is, is the fact that they take young 
uh, teachers, bright, motivated young teachers, and get them up to an experiential level of performance much faster. Well, they also have a chosen student body. Everybody who goes to a charter school chose to go to a charter school. And probably the interactions among students at that school and with the families and so forth is part of the story as to why you're getting a higher level of productivity out of that school. Uh, and so could you really generalize from this charter school world in which there are only six or 7% of the total enrollment to a larger population? If you were say, okay, so if we went long run over long run, we would have so much more productivity in our education. Would it really work out that way? Well, so so your point, Paul, is that is that charter schools are voluntaristic communities, where where everyone's there by choice. They're not coerced into into being there. And I think you're right. There are definite efficiencies gained by the fact that that charter schools are are voluntaristic communities. I mean, you don't you don't need to to have as much sort of coercive monitoring. Um, everybody has the same goal, everybody's on the same page, everybody's sort of committed to the same value system and principles to, to uh, govern the, the school environment. So there definitely are some efficiencies there, but you would gain those efficiencies if you extended, if you allowed for the creation of more voluntaristic communities through schools of choice in K-12 education than we have now. So sure, at some point there would be diminishing returns on the expansion of, of charter schools, but we've got some cities in our sample here uh, New Orleans, where where they're you know eighty percent of the students in our in our sample in in twenty eighteen were in public charter schools, and they're still sh showing a clear productivity advantage relative to the small set of re residual district run schools. We've got DC in there. DC's fifty percent charter, uh, fifty percent TPS, and they're showing clear productivity gains. So we're still seeing these productivity advantages even at high levels of scale in these cities. Well, yes, you're just mentioning some of the cities there and a couple of your cities are the, are the real bright lights, uh, Camden, New Jersey and Indianapolis, Indiana. So why are they so exceptionally productive? So Cam Camden's really killing it on uh, charter school reading achievement. The, the reading achievement of their charter schools is more than 20% of a standard deviation greater than similarly matched students in their TPSs. Um, and, and the funding gap of traditional public schools in Camden relative to public charter schools is huge. Uh, the, the TPSs get $35,000 per student. Um, the charters only get about $18,000 per student in Camden and the, and the charters are outperforming the TPSs. So, so that Camden is really a classic example of doing more with much, much less, uh, fewer resources. They've got some very strong charter school networks operating in Camden uh, and, and they're just, they're just, you know, focusing on, on, on getting good outcomes for kids with the $18,000 per, per student that they get in funding. Well, I think some of the best charter management companies, uh, organizations in the country have opened up their schools in Camden. So part, part of that, I think, is an unusual crop of charter schools in, in, that, in that city. 
but doesn't the city of Camden or the school district of Camden itself, didn't they bring charter operators into the school district and they created these Renaissance schools inside the district. So uh, do you call those schools charter schools or do you call them district schools? The, the Renaissance schools are counted as charter schools because they are their own fiscal agents. So they manage their resources themselves. Uh, and as, as such, they count on the charter school side in our, in our study. So that's okay. That's a little bit unfair, maybe I could say, or some of our listeners might say, because actually it was the district who created those charter schools that, uh, that are operating in Camden. You got to give you got to give applause to somebody there in the in the state uh, side of the operation. Right, but I think I think the, the key distinction, Paul, is are they independent charter schools? Are they the kind of charter schools that originally were envisioned by the by you know by the Ray Buds of the world and the and the Minnesota crew uh, that that launched public charter schools? And that is, are they independently operated? Uh, so that they can make their own managerial decisions, their own uh, spending decisions as independent fiscal agents. And even if they're authorized by a district, if the district cuts them loose and gives them that kind of autonomy and managerial independence, we count them as a charter school. If they are run by the district and subject to district regulations about neighborhood enrollments and stuff like that, then we view that as, as a district school um, and, and treat it as such uh, it, that, that because it lacks the independence that really I, we think is definitional to, to public charter schooling. So how about Indianapolis? I know Indianapolis has, has really put together a pretty impressive track record by its innovations uh, uh, schools. Um, they, do you have any insights as to why they have been so successful? Yeah, I mean, Indianapolis uh, public charter schools uh, consistently outperform similar students in Indianapolis TPS in both reading and math by a little less than 20% of a standard deviation. Uh, and they're doing it with very modest funding. Um, they're, they're receiving the charter schools in Indianapolis are receiving about $9,000 per student in total funding. The TPSs in Indianapolis aren't receiving a dramatic amount more of 16,000, but still that's like about a 43% resource advantage for the traditional public schools. Um, the, these charter schools are really in Indianapolis are, are getting great outcomes at, at a very low resource level. And that's one area where you, you look at it and say, you know, they probably do even better if they were funded above $9,000 per student. So they've got so, to be yeah, well, really I, You know, I don't know how you get that point because I was just thinking to myself, aren't you making the point here that charters don't really need any more money? I know in one of your previous points, you've said it's unfair that they're not getting as much money, but now you're telling me they can be so productive without more money that why are you making a case against more money for charter schools? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't say that we are we are sort of we're sort of agnostic on that. We, we're just this is descriptive work, of course. So we are just presenting these these comparative facts. And, and the fact is, you know, in Indianapolis, these, these charter schools are receiving just 
$9,000 per student. That's less than the national average for public school students, which is $15,000 per student. And it's in an urban environment. Um, and yet they're getting, they're getting results that are better, significantly better than their district run public schools, which are funded slightly above the national average. So, so they're really economizing and, and, you know, uh, we're, we're not going to wade into, I'm not going to wade into the does money matter debate. Um, I, our job is just to demonstrate how much money these different public school sectors are receiving in total, uh, uh, correlate that with, match it up with rigorous evidence about how students are performing in the charter and TPS sectors and, and demonstrate the differences. Um, and, and basically, you know, it's possible if charter schools were funded more, they would, they would find ways to not use those funds productively and there wouldn't be an efficiency advantage. There wouldn't be a productivity advantage. Uh, but it's entirely possible that they've, they've learned to be so good at economizing and, and directing resources effectively in their schools that an increase in funding in the charter sectors would produce even better student outcomes. Thank you very much, Patrick. It's a fascinating study and I'm sure that a lot of people are going to be paying attention to it uh, as they think about uh, what, where to go forward in the charter world. So thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. Thanks for having me, Paul. I am pleased to have had with me today Patrick Wolf, professor in the Department of Education Reform at the University of Arkansas and a co-author of a new report entitled Making It Count, the Productivity of public charter schools in seven US cities. I should have said co-author of a report. He's got a whole batch of co-authors on this one. Thank you, Patrick, for joining me. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me for a new Education Exchange podcast released on the Education Next website every Monday at noon Eastern time. See you next time. <laughs>